Welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. And that, as always, I'm your program host, and this is usually where we say hello and welcome to our co-host, Gene Robinson, uh, but I think Gene's out in the field today and um, must have something going on. Uh, so we usually talk about the news, and there's lots going on in the news, um, a lot of things happening here. We're moving into show season, symposium season, and, uh, you know, we get the, the lowdown on supposed policy and regulation for the year um, and things like that. There's other stuff. We also uh, put out the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo Journal, and there were a lot of good articles in there, especially uh, from myself, especially now. Student my own horn, but that's something you should go over and uh, and, and look at. And uh, today's guest on the on the show, um, Mr. Devin Ray from Desert Rotor, also contributed an article to that. And so, I guess without further ado, we'll bring on uh, uh, Devin Ray. How's it going, Devin? Hey, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me here. It's just uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, so, thank you. I'm doing great. Good, good. Yeah. So, you know, um wanted to have you on the podcast to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, the, this year's Expo Journal was, you know, mainly, you know, we, we try to highlight some companies that are domestic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I like to say, you know, I, I like to see an um, aerospace ecosystem here, too, you know. And right. So, we, you know, we try to uh, highlight the folks that have that have been here, and uh, your company was on the cover, and you, we contributed an article, um, and, and you know talked a little bit about, <clears throat> let's say, some of the um, trials and tribulations of, you know, being in the in the drone ecosystem in the United States. But before we launch into that. I want to, uh, I'd like to have you, if you could, uh, give us a little bio, um, uh, you know, for, for the benefit of the audience. And, Absolutely. You know, how, and how you kind of got into the, uh, the ecosystem, as it were. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it is a fascinating story, and I can um, definitely touch on, uh, you know, the, the bio and how we got into it. So kind of first off, you know, I was, um, you know, I'm born and raised in, in Ohio. Uh, I'm a first-generation um, American in my family. My family um, is all from India. So I, I am first born here. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, my family, they, they, they immigrated here, and it's just an, an amazing place to be. So a lot of, a lot of pride, you know, from, from, from my end here. But, um, you know, really early on, um, you know, I had just this insane fascination, like, starting around age four from some of my earliest memories, like, I was just fascinated with remote control and robotics. Like, the fact you can control something, uh, control something intense wirelessly was just just too much for me. Like, you know, I was like, what is that? So I, so I kind of, I've always been, the Avos had that natural passion, and, you know, growing up, I, I was uh, fairly fortunate. Um, my parents, they were able to invest in a few um, parts, you know, RC parts for me to, to work on. And 
um, build a little airplane, and I pretty much learned it from scratch, you know, in my early years. This was between, you know, age 9 to 13 where, you know, we didn't have the Internet. Um, you know, the Internet wasn't even out yet. There were no blogs. There wasn't, you know, this massive pool of knowledge out there we can just grab and learn. So I kind of learned it from scratch. So all I had was, like, the guy at the hobby store to kind of tell help uh, guide me. Um, nobody in my family knew how to do that stuff. Um, so, you know, I always had that natural passion. And, you know, long story short, you know, around, you know, my teenage years, it, it kind of changes, right? It was girls, high school, college. Um, you know, I got married. Uh, soon after getting married, got divorced, you know. So, you know, I went through a, a phase of non um, RC, non-unmanned technology, um, you know, I was going through all those different life steps, and, you know, I was able to have a, a beautiful daughter, uh, Sedona Rose, um, she's nine, and it was, I was in that world, and in that world, I was actually working at Vanguard Group, it's a financial services company, um, they do the mutual funds, and I was there for almost 12 years now, I I went to college in Indiana University. I studied um, the business side of healthcare, um, but you know I ended up at a financial services company where I was doing um, mid-level management, technical type stuff. And it just, to be honest, I felt dead. You know, low impact, little to no room for for any sort of movement. It was overly competitive for nothing. And it was driving this, like, depression that I want to do something big, and I didn't know what. And I was in a big rut there uh, towards the end. You know, great company um, to, to work for, but personally I, I needed more. And so around 2009, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get back to the, to the RC stuff. I, I enjoyed it as a kid. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to let loose. I know it's kind of an expensive hobby to start off at with, but, you know, I decided to join a flying club um, out here in Arizona. It's called the Sun Valley Flyers, and it's just this amazing RC club out in Cape Creek, Arizona, where it's just in the middle of the desert, and um, just amazing people. And I, I went out there, and I learned on a high-wing trainer with an instructor, with a club instructor, and I, I, I realized, oh, my God, this is, this is my passion. I love working with this technology. Um, it's just so much fun. I'm meeting all these great people, like-minded individuals. And, you know, in that hobby, we, you know, I progressed where, um, you know, we would spend countless hours out there flying 3D aerobatic gas-powered RC planes. Now, these things are huge. Um, you know, they're as big as, you know, a teen-sized bed, even bigger. Um, you know, they have essentially a go-kart engine on a balsa, <laughs> balsa frame. And these things have a high power-to-weight ratio where you can do these crazy aerobatic moves, hover, and, you know, we were just really hardcore into that and, and, and building these uh, amazing vehicles that we would race each other with. And, and everybody at this club, they're all coming from, you know, technical places in the industry. Uh, you know, some are um, UAV pilots, uh, you know, for defense companies, military. So a lot of experience was there. And then around, uh, I would say around 2012, um, you know, we noticed something very fascinating that was starting to happen, you know, because we were already now many years into this. A lot of us did it growing up. But we started seeing those first components. Um, 
uh, from the unmanned world, whether, you know, it was a DJI autopilot or a quadcopter frame from TBS. And we were like, wait a minute, we know how to do this stuff. We fly electric planes, too. They're just using the same technology. They're actually using the exact same motors, um, you know, speed controllers, uh, receivers. So, you know, you know, feeling this lack in my professional world, I was like, you know what, maybe – Maybe if we just throw, you know, a business out there and we just kind of keep it simple, we can be a part of that ecosystem, be a part of this upcoming industry. And we took it slow. We didn't, we didn't you know, it was just starting out. So what we did was we created um, a website, and it was essentially just like a business card. I mean, it was just showing a few pictures, how to contact us if you want to talk about it. Like, we didn't, we didn't have any product. We didn't have any sort of service. And that's actually when I started coming to your conferences, I think way back 2014, 2015, because I really didn't have any guidance. I was like, okay, we, can, we have a, 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 a set of skills here. Like, how do, we, how do we go about it? And, you know, you spoke a lot about simplifying technology. That will win in those early days. Like, you know, in, in, in tailoring more to the masses. So I was like, okay, like, I, I, I see that we've got to drill down here. And, you know, within a few months of starting uh, Desert Rotor, just putting that little business card of a website up, you know, and I only had uh, two other partners. We are essentially just friends that, you know, that we were just playing out there for years. But, you know, a local business, a pretty big defense company, out here, they design um, and manufacture machine guns and, and military vehicles. Uh, yeah. And believe it or not, one of the executives of that company saw us at the airfield just like tinkering around with this quadcopter and, and, and just trying to set up video. And, they, you know, he introduced himself and he's like, hey, you know, we got a project going on at our company where we need to design this wireless remote. We, we, you know, we had this, we're designing, an, you know, this armored vehicle and we need it unmanned, um, you know, using, you know, rudimentary and, you know, RC components, lower cost components to make this happen so it's a scalable, um, you know, end product. And so we got very fortunate. So we got in, invited to this meeting and uh, we sold them on a proof of concept. Um, we scored that contract. And then um, we did well on that, and then we got to build the signature stuff. And, you know, this now this is really um, intense development that we did in a very short amount of time. And when that happened, um, we successfully did that. We successfully delivered, and that was in the very early days. And now we, then we took a step back from that. We, 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 we earned a little bit of cash, and we decided – hey, let's put it back into the business. Now, all of us do have other careers at this point still, um, and we were taking it organically because we're like, well, the industry's not ready for even ground stations. Like, people are trying to figure out how propellers work, like companies are. And, um, you know, so I was like, let's take our time. Let's do this right. So what we did was we started investing on the side in our prototypes and product development, and I didn't put any sort of time constraints on the engineers, my two partners, because, you know what, they were organically developing. There was nobody breathing down their neck. They're doing this correctly. They're not sacrificing. They're not cutting corners. Let's build the best ground station we can. And 
So while um, – and that, that lasted for about two to three years. We didn't take any clients. So it was a no to clients, and it was product development. Um, and, uh, you know, I would go out to, you know, your conferences and all the different conferences to get that market research. I would, you know, show them images of, hey, is this something your pilots would enjoy? Is this something your company would use in your applications? Is this what your ground station you'd want to look like or do? And we'd get that. And then I'll feed it to the, to the engineers, and then we would pivot, you know. And then we just kept making uh, uh, prototypes, and each prototype was just, uh, you know, really great, you know. And then eventually we got to a model that we could actually sell and market. And that was back in not long ago. I mean, it was about 2017, 2018, where we just really started producing and putting it out there. And right before we formally released it, you know, we, um, you know, resigned. You know, I resigned from Vanguard to, 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 to fully commit and now make this into something because we got the, we got the uh, confidence from the industry leading up to that point. Um, they were right. like, yeah, you know, that is something we might buy. That is something we might need. And, you know, so the, the, the proof of concept, um, the viability of it was there. So now it's like, okay, we can invest in more of our own money into this. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, we started attracting clients, you know, through social media, through the conferences, and then it just takes. And the industry isn't that huge where, you know, we got lost or anything. Like, everybody kind of knows each other. It's still rather small in our segment. Um, and, you know, and I can kind of get into what our targets and how we differ from the consumer market. But, well, um, yeah, but that's pretty much the bio and then how Desert Rotor started. Yeah, no, and that's a, it's a good story. And, you know, it sounds like you're off on a, you know, the, the right foot, let's say, uh, not over leveraged mm-hmm. and uh, bootstrapping right. and develop, developing actual uh, products that people need work. Uh, hey, that's not right. But, uh, yeah. you know, so Gene has joined us. Let's uh, say hello to Gene. Gene, what were, where, <laughs> where I you? Yeah, again, you know, I'm tardy, but being pilot in command, I had to get the bird on the ground before I could dial in. You know, I, I can't multitask <laughs> that well. So, you know, I had to wait till the bird landed, doing the 3D model, Good call. you know, the whole nine yards. Yeah, so, you know, there you go. Sorry, guys, I'm late, but uh, I remember you being at, at uh, Patrick's uh, SUSB Expo, and I remember jonesing over those ground control stations Yeah, because they, yeah, they were pretty sharp. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, in those early days, you know, I was, I was just showing, um, I, I believe you and one of your partners, um, you know, just like rendering, you know, in, in those very, very early days. Um, you know, I was just walking around with like cat images, and, <laughs> and, you know, and that and that was and I was able to get a lot of feed, great feedback from Gene, because um, you guys had some birds there, and you know, you guys, I was like, wow, you guys are kind of like our typical target right now, you know. So it was good. Yeah, it was nice meeting you guys. Well, you know, I, I uh, look back on that too, and you mentioned that. I mean, we, I remember, you know kicking that off. I think it was 2013 and yeah, you're crazy. There's, there's no market. There's never going to be a commercial market. This is, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know what? Shut your pie hole. (laughs) You know what you're talking about. So, 
you know, and, and I do think about this. I reflect on it. And I muse about it. And I was, I wonder, you know, you know, how many people from those early days are still in this business, or you know, thought they were going to make the mega millions and then rolled out. Um, and, and I would definitely say, if, if you didn't have fire in the belly, as it were, or a passion for this technology, people probably realized yep. quickly, like, look, you know, this isn't for yep. me. It's going to take too much work. Um, right. And like you said, a, a lot of folks, myself included, had other careers, jobs going and whatever else, you know, and as, as this thing started to uh, gel up or whatever, there wasn't a lot of money and we didn't know where the technology was going to go. I mean, I, I think everybody understood, uh, you know, the value proposition of, of um, unmanned aircraft and data, types of data, and uses and things like that. But, you know, we're like, hmm. Okay, like you said, you start cobbling all this stuff together. What can this do? Mm-hmm. What can that do? We have people today who believe, like you know, well, a drones a quadcopter. If it has, you know, I don't fixed wing <laughs> does not compute. You know, uh, right. things like that. So you know, it's, a, it's interesting how we all came about, uh, or, or or how this whole thing came about, the very windy, twisty road, and how we got here. So yeah, like I said, yeah. You know, it's a, it's after you give that the, the kind of history and bio thing, you know, it sounds like you guys are are doing it the right way. You're building products that work. You're uh, you know trying to come up with something that the industry really needs, which is which is different from a lot of uh, you know businesses. That says, oh, you know, it's like the herd. Every year you go to the shows and people are like, oh, okay, you know, it's farm drones, farm drones. Okay, it's farm drones, yeah. And then next year it's, right. it, you know, inspection drones. Oh, okay, inspection drones. And then mining, next year, yeah. Mining drones. It, you know, <laughs> how we mitigated risk in that space was by organically going, growing into our market cap that we had no clue what it is. It might be, you know, so a lot of these companies, they're assuming what their capitalization could be with all the hype. But we took the approach of, hey, let's just grow, like, organically. When we get orders, we build them, and then we get more orders. Like, you know, we're not forcing it down people's throats. It's not for everybody. It's not even for, really, the consumer market. It's really more industrial, you know, commercial market, which is a little different. So, um, yeah, that's how we kind of mitigated that. You know, we just didn't want to over-leverage for what our market space was, you know? Well, that's... Funny you say that because I remember, remember, Gene, we pitched a few companies, this, um, <laughs> let's say, enterprise and government drone thing. And, and you remember the, uh, I mean, I was dumbfounded personally, and maybe you could reflect on some of your uh, thoughts on it, Gene. But now Gene and I pitched, you know, what the world's largest uh, drone manufacturer on, on this, <laughs> let's say, enterprise thing. There's no money in that. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, remember uh, we had one of the um, military contractors saying, "Be all right, this sounds good. How many aircraft are we going to sell?" You know, I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, I, "Yeah, this isn't an F, you know, it's not an FBO thing, man. It's not a contract." Well, what about right. maintenance? Is our maintenance contract? I'm like, it's not cost plus contracting. But, uh, you know, Gene, maybe you could, because uh, I don't know if we even really talked. I was just blown away. There's no money in that. What were your thoughts on that, Gene? Yeah, well, we ran into that. But, uh, 
I'm always kind of wondering whether way back deep in whatever works you want to call it, you know, armadillo, skunk, you know, whatever, that they hadn't already planted on it. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. Because, you know, we know, we know that some of the, the major players that kind of poo-pooed what we were saying very shortly thereafter followed into the industry. So I'm thinking that that, (laughs) I'm thinking that uh, they they saw it coming and they didn't want to validate what we had been saying all along. To be quite honest with you, yeah, possibly. I remember, oh, you know, too expensive to you know make custom. You know, I'm like, I got a can of red spay paint right here, and I can't, you know, (laughs) there you go. You know, here you go. Fire department. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, I, I may have been a little premature though. Anyway, because you know, even at the time, uh, I mean, we're we're really just starting to get into, let's say, I don't even want to say all weather drones, but you know, mm-hmm. some that are moisture resistant and things like that. Which I know your customer base, you know, it's a, a funny thing, and I'm sure you've, I know you've done some testing in hot and dusty. Um, Locations because you 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 you're, the company is in a hot dusty location. Although I wouldn't call Scottsdale that dusty, but it is hot. And I've <laughs> yeah. and I've been out to Cave Creek, you know, and about to say, you know, bring a hat because it gets it gets toasty. Yeah. So um, you know, it's kind of funny. So a lot of these people that did the you know the drone thing were like, oh, you know, we're gonna go out here and we're gonna sell to the military and it's gonna be great. And you know, you get out there to Yuma stand. And, you know, hit the power button, and it's, you know, 110 yep. degrees, and, you know, the, the sand's blowing around, and, hmm, for some reason, this thing shut down. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. You know, well, probably overheated because most of your components were that you went over to Fry's and bought were for use in air-conditioned uh, <laughs> offices you know but whatever you know you're in afghanistan you just run over to radio shack and you get what you need and uh, you know no i'm being facetious but uh so i mean right. have you, have you, you know i'm sure you guys already ran into that with your products i mean uh you know you got everything in the cases and it's you know um sealed yeah, up tight you know and all the rest of them weather is um you know a huge thing um i mean we have clients that you know go with a different color just to gain any of that back, you know, some temperature change there, but, like it's you know, our operating, um, we run our, you know, like you mentioned, we run our stuff, you know, outdoors out here in Arizona, and it's in the in the worst kind of heat for hours on end, and, you know, we have a pretty good ventilation system, and how we designed it, it's all, it's essentially a fanless system, but we do have a fan on there to help help with it even additionally, so our operating range is pretty wide, we rarely even hear about any any sort of heat damage or anything on our systems. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that is definitely a huge concern. I think that was a huge advantage of us be, just being in Arizona because, you know, we had the sun. In the early days, we had that sun on the screen. So we learned very quickly about sunlight viewable displays and, 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 and NITs of displays and all that. But, yeah, it's, that, that, was, well, there, that did play in our favor. Yeah, you were in a good spot for uh, for R and D for sure, because uh, you know out there in the uh, in the in the sun and the sand, you know, it can get real frustrating real quick. So you know you're you you got to 
step up on this, especially since, you know, we were uh, involved in, um, let's say, overseas contingency operations in hot and sandy places. So that just kind of worked out. Right. Uh, but, you know, just not even hot and sandy. I know that, like, Gene, you're, you're out there in uh, beautiful, balmy Texas. Uh, you know, you've, you've seen that with, uh, with, let's say, consumer gear. There's been issues with, with uh, the elements. Oh, it's always a really good time when you're flying a mission and you're out at the far end of the leg, just at the very edge of, you know, visual and your Apple device says, you know what, I'm hot, I'm done, I quit. (laughs) I had that happen last week, actually, when we were testing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's too hot. It's too hot for a little bit. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because uh, even when I was teaching, I would always, you know, te- the, teach the uh, students and say, you know, you got to learn how to do the manual takeoff and the manual landing. And ah, why do you need just do it right here on the the iPad, man? What that's why you know, and that's one of the reasons because you know uh, you're you're out there in the field and things have that tendency to go pear shaped. And what do you do? You know. Um, so things to consider. It's interesting you say that. So, Devin, you know, you, you kind of talked about the the target customers, really. Um, let's say more the government customer, um, things like that. We've talked a little bit about the product line. Now, do you? I mean, you know, to me, as I as I see this thing uh, progress, and right now, I, I still think where we. You know, people are like, oh, we're reaching the potential of drone, you know, and I, I'm, I really, till beyond visual line of sight happens and, you know, file and fly and all the rest of that. I, I really don't see uh, us bringing all the money out of drones, but I could see your system being used by, you know, bigger cor- corporations who want to, this is yep. another thing with the different drones is, People, you know, it's the same thing, I guess, with aircraft, you know, and it's the standardization of uh, GCS and, and for lay persons to say ground control stations. But it would also be right. the same kind of concept with Southwest. They all, they fly the 737. All the pilots are, you know, ready to fly 737. And it makes the training easier and, you know, mm-hmm. it's easier for the pilots to recognize and fly. And, and, and I do see that being something in the future, uh, where there's this kind of standardization or, hey, we want to use that. Is, is some of that, you know, built into your product line? Is that what you're – is this kind of like, hey, we're yeah. like, yeah. it's customer feedback or we're trying to, you know, without, without setting up a committee, develop some sort of standard? Yeah, so we, um, we, we score well there because we designed our system um, with also, you know, model memory, so you mm. can switch between vastly different aircraft with just a click. Um, so that's why some of our defense, higher end defense, military, they love that because they have a standard control box, ground control system, and they can now go from a fixed wing to their, um, you know, X8 copter or, um, you know, a VTOL wing. So they, they switch, and then the pilots don't have to then now go to some RC controller or a laptop. Like, they're using the same system. So you can switch between very dramatic um, aircraft. And that is something that we early on learned about, like, in from those conferences from, you know, the standardization, making things simpler. We 
took properties from what we learned in the RC world where, hey, we can, we can do this, we can design the software where it will just switch to a dramatically different aircraft. Like, and, you know, then you have a whole different uh, profile. So you have different aircraft profiles. So that's actually where we score really well. Some of our biggest clients um, out in the Middle East, you know, they can switch between dramatically different lines of aircraft that they're selling and still mm-hmm. just buy one ground station for all of them. So, that well, was, and, so we try to focus on that a big time, yes. Yeah, and, and another, you know, I mean, there's been, uh, you know, in the early days or even with the larger systems or whatever, how many mishaps there have been, you know, um, changing GCS configurations or, you know, uh, one pilot coming into the new system or whatever and there being issues. All those connections. Yeah, it, it could be a nightmare, especially when you're under stress. I mean, most of us go out there, you know, you're going to go do the selfie or whatever. It's kind of a low-stress situation. Um, if you're, you know, in a, in a situation where lives are on the line, there's lots of stress and lots of fatigue factors with the weather and, you know, sand in your teeth, killer bees, whatever you got, whatnot, people shooting at you, whatever, you know, uh, and that adds to the complexity of trying to remember to do everything. So if you're really accustomed to one system, uh, that helps alleviate stress and points of failure. So, you know, it's a good thing. So, you know, and, and I've talked about some of the, um, some of what I think are the impediment to the drone industry taking off. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the history of your company. We talked about some of the other, you know, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's, you know, standards and money and regulation and, you know, export. And that's another thing that's coming out today is, to, you know, yep. talking about, you know, restricting the, uh, the this missile technology again. And I don't know if that had a, an effect on you, but I know as far as, you know, domestic drone industry was concerned, that ITAR and export and miscontrolled missile technology and all the rest of that <clears throat> family show uh, kind of hobbled the domestic industry. So, you know, what, what impediments from, from your, let's say, long-term uh, involvement in the industry, what, what do you see are the biggest impediments to, to the domestic drone industry taking off? Well, no you know, from our lens, you know, we have a unique lens um, to the industry. You know, what, what's fascinating to, like, the Desert Rotor team is that, you know, we're dealing with some really, really big players in the, in the military market, defense market, but they're still just not that far along um, as most would think they are. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, a lot of R&D is still happening. There's still... Uh, you know, a lot of the higher-end customized market that we're, we're seeing from our lens, they're just, they're just not quite here, there yet with what they want their signature design of that aircraft to be able to do. Um, you know, so I, see, I, I just see it on the horizon because once a number of these um, institutions, you know, we, you know, we deal with the big corporations too, and, you know, once – they're just a little further along and they really have their design on their end dialed in, I think you're going to see a whole lot more on this end of the market where it is industrial UAVs. These are highly, highly custom aircraft with, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars sensor arrays on them. Um, but they're trying to get that right. So from our viewpoint, I don't know if this is a more of a Desert Rotor local lens, but, you know, 
it's the commonality is that it's just nobody is as far as everybody thinks they are. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Um, well, you know, so, I, 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 uh, I think that there is some of that. I, I, I believe, you know, I don't want to beat the drum, but I, I really, as far as aircraft development is concerned, um, I think we're, we're hobbled. Uh, domestically, they have a lot of companies. Oh, you know, I mean, there's some impressive companies here. I, you know, I see them. They just, you know, they're they're kind of creeping along, or they're trying to bootstrap, um, and and uh, and trying to bootstrap in America. I, I almost think that that's. I mean, if you haven't already started and kind of been in business, and you're trying to bootstrap now, uh, good luck. You know, because I. Think right. Yeah, it's you're a little that's, late. That's the a game. tough one. You know. If you need anything that requires any sort of substantial upfront infrastructure, I mean, it's, it's pretty much impossible, you know, to bootstrap. You know, we, we, we played the infrastructure game wisely in, in, with our suppliers locally in Arizona before we had our centralized location. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from, from you know, our lens, it, like, the, you know, the broader U.S. market they have, you know, the – they have the consumer-based drones that are, you know, doing their thing. They can do video, right? They can do higher-end video. Um, you know, in our market, it's just, you know, they're using cameras that can see through cars and stuff, you know? Like, right. So, like, those applications may not be as wide. That market cap may not just be opened yet um, in those applications, So, which is kind of an impediment. Like, you know, once, once these uh, highly, highly tailored vehicles start getting into some market cap, you know, I think we can see some potential growth. And that's kind of from our lens because we're, we're not really directed looking at strictly consumers in the broad-based market, you know? Right. Well, I, you know, I mean, I kind of think I, myself, the consumer market is saturated. Even the drones I have are right. four years old right. or whatever. There's really no reason for me to upgrade. Uh, they work perfectly fine right. for everything I need. And I, I, I think that, you know, one of the world's largest uh, manufacturers kind of hit a wall on that one, and they and they realized. I, I kind of equate it to you know the I mean, to date myself like you dated yourself with the interweb. So it's just funny because you, know, you tell people, yeah, back in the day, you know, it took five minutes yeah. to download a photo. You know, we didn't think you'd be streaming broadband, you know, whatever. But um, you know, um, things change. Um, we we was like the 286, 386, 486, you know, penny chip, <laughs> oh, whatever wow. else. I know the machine's like, oh, he's coming out of the cave. Uh, yeah, but whatever. I mean, I, I think we're kind of there. And until you know, there's enough market or or let's say flight envelope in my mind to say, okay, well now I could come in and invest. You know, because just, just even that technology you just mentioned. You know, I mean, some of the sensors out there. You know, most of us in the consumer world are like, ooh, oh, golly, look, the pretty pictures and blah, blah, blah. And some of the yeah. other sensors that are out there can do some really <laughs> amazing things and have a lot of applications that people are going to go, you know, uh, five years from right. now. Oh, my God, you can and use well, wait, drones to go but that's that's been hasn't that been the, the way from the very beginning, Patrick? We've had to educate people and industries what we could do with a drone. I mean, it, it's yeah, always it's been that process of, oh, by the way, you could do it cheaper and quicker with a drone using this sensor. And they go, what? 
Really? I know, but well, it's it's like that lost technology with the pyramids. You know, I feel their frustration. Yeah, yeah. They probably had to roll out yeah. every two years and go, okay, well, this is how it's done, and what you do is, is you know, <laughs> it's a, being a little facetious, but it's the same deal. I mean, I I I read these, you know, like posts on LinkedIn. Oh my gut farm drones you know you're like oh jesus i'm gonna throw up on myself here because i just can't take it anymore. <laughs> you know or uh oh my god you can save lives with a drone you can you can find people gene i mean i'm sure you're you never thought of that <laughs> no never heard that yeah. never heard that. <laughs> or the farm drone deal i think you know when i first met you you were doing the farm drone thing you know and it's like yeah <sighs> you know i i just uh Anyway, I, I guess it must be, you know, nice to be excited by these things again. But we, we haven't seen that for so long. But really, you know, okay, so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, pipelines and infrastructure. Well, it's going to be hard to eyeball all this infrastructure in the visual line of sight envelope, you know. I hear there are folks talking to Mayor Pete about this. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, someone's going to see the light and go, oh, yeah, you know, this thing. It weighs, you know, 500 grams, and, uh, you know, it's not really a threat. And that, you know, you missed out in the beginning of the program, Gene, because I wanted to, you know, go on and, and talk about my, uh, my latest story with the, uh, the exemption maintenance uh, over, or let's say oversight that, uh, that didn't happen from the FAA. But we'll have to save that for another time. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah, in a nutshell, I'm, I'm really starting to think that this uh, safety of the NAS thing is just really a way to, uh, it's just the old trait saw to keep the unwashed masses out of um, aviation. Indeed, got, I think that there's a big component there of that. Yeah, if you got the money and you got the friends, you know, you can do whatever you want willy-nilly. And I don't, and I don't care. I mean, you know, it didn't, you know, it's not like it just started. Just remember I wanted to start the... Uh, Patrick's Flight School, and I wanted the same deal as Boeing, and I wanted the exemption to fly out of a, a public airport, and, uh, you know, what was that, back in 2011 or 12 or whatever, remember that? And I said, I don't want anything special. I just want what Boeing's getting, you know. They told me to go pound sand. I wasn't getting that either, but, yeah, hey, whatever, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gullible. I'll go with it. But anyway... Um, so you know when I, when we the flight envelope is large enough or whatever, I think you're going to see investment from you know the companies that have deep pockets to go. Hey, this is this is something, and we want to have these sensors like Devin you're talking about. That's another thing is people uh, even in the early days, you know, the lidar and said, yeah, we're throw it on here. You know, you got the, you know you're flying the ninety thousand dollar sensor on the three dollar motors. You know, I'm like this is. <laughs> It is a bad idea, man. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say uh, no bueno on that. And then, you know, people would crash and stuff. I, I just, uh, crazy talk. So I think, you know, yeah, we do need some certification. Uh, everybody kind of talks about RID, which is not going to work, and UTM and all the rest of this stuff. I, I, I believe we can fly beyond visual line of sight now in certain areas. You could scientifically prove that it's safe to do it. And uh, when that happens, more people are going to be kicking more money in uh, to develop the aircraft, the sensors, the software. Uh, and I do believe that systems like you, you guys are going to have a big leg up because I do, you know, 
we talked about this from day one, right, Gene? I mean, you know, the people, I want a pickup truck. Well, sometimes you don't need a pickup truck. You need a, you know, sports car or you need, you know, uh, you know, the electric vehicle that can stay there for three days or whatever you need, you know, and then that, that kind of standardized interface. And, and I believe, you know, like I've been working the standards things for years and the standard thing, Mm -hmm. you know, remember that old saying about like a horse designed by a committee is a camel. I, I, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's where we're at. So I think if the if the free market, because I'm a believer in the free market, if the free market can drive the standard, like the products that you're putting out, Devin, right? You know, and people go, God, you know, this is this is really intuitive. It it works well. You know, it's something that you know uh, people can can move to and fly these different aircraft and. It's not a different control that the person has to learn and the training and, and again, the points of failure and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, I'm all for it, you know. I, so, I mean, is that is – you, is you, you have something that's ever evolving or is, is your, uh, like, interface staying pretty much the same? What, what's going on with that? Are you seeing the market drive your design or, or, or how's that work? So – um, with um, so the, the layout we use is HOTUS, which is the hands-on throttle and stick, which is you know as you know seen in full-scale commercial airlines and all everything everywhere helicopters. Um, so we we really focus on optimizing that layout, so ensuring that the pilot has the most simplest way you know possible way that they can pilot. So how we kind of are standardizing, if you will, is, you know, really focusing on first the layout that conceptually makes sense. You know, a lot of our end users, they, you know, pilots, a number of them have never even flown the two-stick, the two-joystick, you know, handhelds, which are really hard to fly because, you know, you have rudder, yaw with throttle on those handhelds. Uh, You know, so we're trying to get people to, 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 to look at the layout that works, that's been around for, for, for um, you know, many years. You know, we believe that those two thumbstick layouts is just, uh, it's not a, an, uh, an accurate modern way to pilot. So as we evolve, we, um, our interfacing is invo- um, evolving towards being able to integrate with more of the technology out there. Um, you know, there's all these amazing companies that do um, different types of communication links, different types of radios. So we want to ensure that would whoever client, whatever end user has our system, if they decide to change the comm link, they can they can move to let's say a Silvis that is you know has all the bells and whistles and you know can do whatever. So we're really trying to standardize, really oh, thank like you, sir. interfacing with everything and than um, the layout itself, the, the physical HOTUS layout. So that's how we're kind of, and we're kind of sticking with that. You know, we are looking into other form factors. A main reason why we don't have, you know, a handheld or a smaller type of ground control system is because our clients, our target market, they need that data processing real time. They need a big screen. They need a powerful embedded PC. They need integrated controls. So our mark, we found that our niche is sustainable in our with our form factor, which is why we're not 
throwing out all these different types of controllers in the market because we're really honing in on that use, the use of the, where you need to see that data in real time is processing or you, or even in the post-processing um, world, you know, right. it's, it's well, a great system for that too. We're almost out of time. And so before we, we run out of time, could you please give people the, uh, the website address to, to learn more? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're at desertrotor.com. Um, and that's just one word. Uh, you know, you can search ground station, GCS. We usually have some pictures that come up on Google. So, you know, Patrick, thank you for, you know, having me as a guest. This was huge. I just really enjoyed talking to both of you. Gene, you know, it's great to hear from you. I look forward to catching up with you guys uh, real soon here. Yeah, well, it sounds good. Yep, sounds good. Uh, you know, we may be doing uh, something in L.A. before Christmas. You know, usually I like to do something small. Maybe you guys could come out. We'll have to see what happens. But anyway, that's all the time we have for this week. And uh, as always, you know, I want to thank everyone for listening and being on, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thank you. See ya. Bye.